Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Good morning, District 3. This is your podcast host, Don Griffith. I have the pleasure of being with Bob Myers here today. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Some of you know Bob Myers. He's been a Toastmaster for a while. We'll hear a little bit more about that later. But most recently at the Spring Conference, which was held last May 2019, Bob was the champion of the evaluation contest. How did that feel when they announced your name as number one? Don, it totally blew me away because I set out to do this about five years ago and it was been a quite a long journey. There were some very good participants. And as I listened to them, I thought, wow, he or she was really, really good. I probably don't stand a chance of being the number one person in this contest. And then you may recall that Jim Ng announced my name like he was at a basketball game or something. He went, Bob Myers, like that. And I'm, I'm thinking, what is he saying? Is he saying my name? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it is I. <laughs> so I was surprised. Yeah. Now, there were eight other competitors, and as you said, these were all the champions of the division, so they were all very good to get to that point. Yes, they were. You haven't always been a champion evaluator, I imagine. That's true. That's true. I looked at, as I look at evaluation, I've come to the realization that if you want to be a good speaker, you have to be a good evaluator. Because the evaluation gives you the opportunity to learn analytical skills into public speaking and to determine in your own mind what constitutes a good speech and what elements of that speech or characteristics of it should we talk about when we're giving feedback. Right. And also how to help that person improve. Right. That is our goal. In every Toastmaster meeting, we have a speaker and they have an evaluator who gets up and speaks right then during the meeting. So you don't have to wait. And you want them to feel good about what they did. You want them to know what they did well. And no speech is perfect. So you want to point out things they could do to make it even better. Absolutely. You want them to come back. Constructive feedback. Constructive feedback. You want to motivate them to keep coming back and getting better and better and better each time. Tell us about your early days in in Toastmasters. How did you find Toastmasters? I was in the U.S. Army in 1989, and I was nearing the end of my career. And I thought, you know what? People don't need people who were tank commanders and staff officers in the U.S. Army per se. They need people who can sharpen their tools, like Stephen Covey used to say. I knew that I would have to get up in front of people and give presentations so that it would be something that I should be better at, more adept. I watched full colonels get up and their hands would be shaking and their lips would be uh, quivering. And I thought, gee whiz. They've got it, too. They don't like to get up and speak. So, Bob, get in there and go off and and improve yourself. And then I saw a speech craft presentation or or series in our little town of Blacksburg, Virginia. And I said, wow, I'm going to go to that. And, of course, they said, you know, if you want to be really, really better, you could come to our Toastmasters Club. And that's when it started. So that was back in... 1989. 1989. And, and so then I, I participated in Toastmasters. 
I got up and, and would give speeches. I would practice, practice, practice. I would have notes. I would have it down really, really well. And one day somebody wrote in a little feedback thing, said, that's the best speech I've heard out of competition. And I thought, competition? They have competition? Oh my goodness, well, let's try that. So within two years, I had won the district Tall Tales contest and the district humor speech contest. And I thought, wow, I really can do this. Let's keep participating. And then I became a club officer, of course, and, and then I helped other people. I saw the benefit of it. I saw other people gaining in their skills and their confidence as they went along. One of my best friends in Virginia wrote to me and he said, you know what, Bob? Having me join Toastmasters was one of the best things that I ever did. And so I eventually moved over to Arizona, joined Toastmasters, Peacock Toastmasters, and then continued the journey. What's the journey? President of the club again, area director, and so on and so forth. And then participating within the district being the um, other, other chair openings that came along that I participated with. Sure. When, when this contest cycle came around in 2019, you're a 30-year veteran. How does a 30-year veteran who's won speech contests, how did you prepare for the evaluation contest? Some people think, well, you can't prepare. How can you prepare? What did you do to prepare? You know, this is such a good question. You're leading the witness because a person in my club said to me, I see what you're doing. I see that you're getting ready. So my journey started back when Lynn Brazier won the district evaluation speech contest. She got up, she came out, she was smooth, she was full of energy. She used metaphor in her presentation and I said, wow, it's such an intellectual challenge to listen to a model speaker and then to get your ideas together. That is, what is it you're going to tell them that they did well? What is it that you could offer that they could improve upon? And how can you summarize this and do it all in three and a half minutes? And so I started practicing. My first thing, my first step in practicing was that I got on online on YouTube and I started looking at other districts who had their competitions out there. I would listen to all eight or nine speakers and then prepare my own evaluation. And then I would also look and determine who do I think is the winner here or who are the top three. Then I would go to the end and see who the winner was and I'd say, aha. What was it about that person that distinguished them or separated them from the pack? I came up with a list of things. That is three columns of attributes of good speaking and I, I started writing all those down. What words are they using? How are they going deeper into what they're offering and, and giving advice about improvement? So having saw her do that, I got to thinking about, well, maybe I could do that. A couple of years later, a young lady got up there. She looked like she was in her 20s, and I understand that Lynn coached her because the, the young lady used some of the same metaphors that Lynn had used in her speech. I said, wow, that's almost like a carbon copy of what I saw before, only it's suited to this new model speaker. And then two years ago, the year that you won, Best Evaluator, 
I made it through runner-up at division. I came up with a system, having listened to all these other people, that is, how would I structure it, how would I deliver it, and so on. And I learned from that as well. So this time, this time around, I started practicing about six months ago. Every opportunity to evaluate that rolled around in my club, I took it. And then, as we got closer and closer, I started not just taking empty slots to be an evaluator, but I was on the agenda almost every week <laughs> in the buildup. And so I had a, a really good cycle. My best speech was delivered at area, in my opinion, because I just got on a roll and I had the whole audience laughing while I was giving the feedback and room for improvement to the speaker. So not only were, was I progressing through the various steps, but I was enjoying it and having a good time. But more importantly, the audience was having a good time, which is something that every speaker really relishes. All right. It's a, it is its own presentation, a standalone presentation. It has a opening, a body, a conclusion. It has points to be made. It's just like a little miniature speech. Sure. But the purpose of the speech is to evaluate. Now, step back for folks who might be listening, who are wondering, what do you mean evaluation contest? What do we do at the contest? How does that run? That's a very good question. There are, depending on what level you are, there could be four to eight or nine contestants, and they're all going to evaluate the same speaker. So they are giving a piece of paper upon which they can take notes. The speaker comes in and delivers a five to seven minute speech. As soon as the speaker is done, all the contestants go out of the room and they have five minutes to prepare, to get their thoughts together, to think about what they would present to this speaker. Before the model speaker does this, however, they have drawn numbers so that they know the sequence of who is going to speak when. So you have one through four or one through eight, depending on how many contestants there are. I was lucky because in the area contest, I was last. I thought, aha, I'm the anchor man. I can, I can memorize, memorize, memorize. And in uh, division, I think I was right in the middle. And in district, I was five, four or five out of nine, which is not a bad placing. Because I generally want to go later in the pack so that I can hopefully stand out. It's difficult to be a judge in these contests. If you're the number one speaker, then they have nothing to compare it to. So I want to be later. And let's make it clear that the evaluators come in one at a time. They don't get to hear anyone before them. Absolutely correct. So the you you came in, let's say, number four. That meant there were three evaluators had already presented, and you didn't get to see their performance. That's correct. So you don't learn anything from them. I only learned the pe from the people who went after me. Right, right. And the person who's last, in this case there were nine, they didn't see any of the other performances. Right. So they're just hoping that they did the best and they don't have anything to compare to. There are a couple of things that I would like to add. Sure. You don't hear this a lot, and if I say something that goes against the grain, it's heretical, then you tell me, Bob, that just doesn't fly. <laughs> there are intangibles here. Yes, there's a, there are criteria, for the speech evaluation and the, and the judge's scoring sheet, there's analytical quality, recommendations, techniques, summation, but there are intangibles. Just before, about 
three weeks before the district competition, I was browsing Google, no, YouTube, and I came across Jonathan Ping from China. He was the winner of China's evaluation speech contest, and he said there are four things that you need to do, and number one is a performance. It doesn't say anything about performance on the criterion, but if I came in and I stumbled all the way through my evaluation, the judges are probably going to think, well, this wasn't very good. But if I come in and I'm energetic and I don't use notes, this is another thing that's not written out there. Don, I think you used notes, but you carried it off so well that it didn't matter. The ones, the people that I was seeing on YouTube, the winners didn't use notes. So what I did was I memorized those those elements that I wanted to emphasize in the evaluation, no notes. And I wanted to be energetic and forceful and, and motivated and most of all confident, confident about what I was doing and offering to the model speaker. Those things aren't written down, as far as I know, in the judge's criteria yet. They mean a lot. And, to, and those, even like you said, even though they're not written out, as a formal criteria, the judges observe those things. Yes, they it, do. It sinks into their into their mind and to their thought process, especially if they're trying to decide, okay, Bob or Susie, Bob or Susie. Well, Bob had a really better performance. Mm -hmm. If that's what it takes, and we should, that's a good good advice for any of our speaking opportunities. And that and that's where the practice comes yeah, in. Come in prepared. Have your points down. Try to do your speeches without notes. And I know for the beginning Toastmasters who are listening, you know how hard that is. But that could be a goal, is to do without notes. I have to admit that when I gave a, an evaluation a week ago, I had so many notes that I just carried them up and looked down at my notes. I tell myself, you know, I could be modeling this for my own Toastmasters in my own club. Yet at the same time, I didn't want to miss anything. Now, sometimes that is a practical issue of how much time do I have between the speech and the evaluation. In a regular meeting, you only have a few minutes. That's true. And, and if you're, my home club is two speeches, so you really only have about seven minutes if you're listening to the first speaker. <laughs> or if you're listening to the second speaker, you might only have about three minutes. I heard a speaker in my own club this past week, and he was so good. I turned to the person beside me and said, I want to get up and talk now. <laughs> I want to do this evaluation right now because he deserves some, some accolades right. and attaboys. It was so good. Now, I see you have some notes there, um, and you looked at them when you talked about watching that Internet speech. Yes, indeed. And you, you said you analyzed the, winning, the winner's performance. Would you share some of those things? I wanted to see what they were saying and what they were using for analysis. So I just made three columns. It turned out to be three columns of elements of good speaking. And, and you're going to just nod your head and say, well, those, those are just common sense things. But here's some things in, that I've highlighted. I want the speaker to own the stage. I want them to come up and be confident and stand there and, and give their speech like they're just going to tell everybody what, what they came to tell. I want them to hook us, hook us, get our attention from the beginning so that we're going to lean forward and listen. I want to see audience reaction out there. 
or at the end of the speech, I want to see a challenge to people for them to have a takeaway. And they look back and say, aha, I love that speech, and here's why. And I like, sometimes there will be audience participation where the speaker says, raise your hand if you did X, or how many of you this or that, or the other. Then there's metaphorical language. Uh, their energy was just contagious. And in the district contest, I used being unpredictable. Now, when A.J. Rydell got up and gave her speech. A.J. Is the, was the model speaker. Yes. I had to. It was unpredictable in that I didn't quite at first know what she was doing. And then when I saw what she was doing and understood, I said, wow, this is so clever, so creative. And I said, you know, that was, that was just being unpredictable. And I loved it. And it helped me get in there. And of course, there's always the emotional bond where speakers will give us some sadness to, to think about and, and to let soak in. And of course, storytelling. Yeah, and then there are the, the ones that we usually talk about, except gestures, eye contact, and voice. Those, those are things that we usually know about. And then I look to see what kind of a structure that the speaker has so that I can think about how they brought that speech together and perhaps had three main points and used supporting material around those three main points as they went. So those are the kind of things I was picking up on as I was listening to these speakers on YouTube. And I was glad I did because it helped me in two years ago when I started refining the structure and the way that I was going to present. And I didn't change. I just refined it and, and fine-tuned it as the competition season came. And then um, it worked out. Yeah. I, I really like how you went out purposefully to analyze good evaluators. And speakers can do that, too. Absolutely. If you want to be a good speaker, there are literally probably a million speeches you can go listen to online, whether it's a Toastmaster speech or a TED Talk or any number of things. Right. And if you're trying to figure out how to be a good speaker, go watch a lot of speeches. Take the ones that you liked and pick them apart, just like you did. What worked? What did I like about what he did? And if you then get to, if you get accomplished at that level, go pick a speech that you didn't like and analyze what you didn't like. What did this speaker do that turned me off? What did this speaker do that wasn't effective? Why do you do that? Then you can avoid those things yourself. Sure. You don't be that person. Don't be the one. I'm preparing people in my club right now for the International Speech Contest and the 12 Tales Contest coming up starting in January. And this is just the middle of October, and you might say, why? Well, I have new people, and they, some of them are saying, why? Just like me 30 years ago, I said, they have contests? <laughs> and I said, these speeches are coming up, and here's how you qualify, especially right. for the International Speech Contest. And they said, well, tell us more. And I said, get on YouTube and do a search on international speech contest winners and see what they did and get a feel for how this thing flows. Yeah. If you've been in Toastmasters long enough, you've seen enough speeches. You, I don't know about you, Bob, but I have a few pet peeves that speakers will do. But mostly our speakers are very good and they're trying to improve. One of the things I like to emphasize in my evaluations is structure. 
How did you put it together? And I don't, I don't suggest they rewrite it. I suggest they change the order sometimes. For instance, if a speaker is talking about some, some point and in the middle they tell a story that illustrates that, and then they, then they say, and here's what I got from after I learned. I tell them, put the story first. Put us in story time, especially if it's got a little dramatic hook to it. Like you said, a hook. You want your audience engaged right away. There is even some advice out there in the Internet. If you don't get them in the first 15 seconds, you, you're, not, you're never going to get them. How true. So have something that really gets their attention. And then when you're done with the story, you can then use that as uh, to illustrate or to, to go in more depth. Are there some, do you have some advice for beginning evaluators on things to avoid? That's a very good question. I think if I were going to, and I do this because I've been involved in evaluations, what I might do for my, my own club members, and I plan to do this, if there's a speech opening, I may even give a five to seven minute speech on some of these points. It doesn't have to be difficult. Everyone has an opinion, and we, we aren't professional evaluators. The professional speakers in our Toastmasters are probably a minority, so most of us aren't professional speakers. But we're professional listeners. That is, that is we all, whether we're listening to something newscast on TV or, or even going to the movies, we have an idea or an opinion about what we see or hear. So what I would say to people who are are starting out is to look at the evaluation notes. One, what are the objectives of this speech? Number one, did the, did the speaker address those, those objectives that are in the speech? And number two, how did it strike you? Were they forceful? Was their voice okay? Did they make eye contact with you? What are your reactions to this speech? And just come up with two or three things. Mm -hmm. Write them down. They only have to be a word or two. Just write them down on a piece of paper. Did you see something that the speaker might think about? Maybe it was in the objectives and they didn't quite, they didn't quite stick it and they could have considered some other things to address those objectives. And then here's a the thing that I like to do. Oftentimes we'll say, we'll go on and we we'll say, you did this great and this great and this great, but... And then, and everybody thinks, oh, geez, here it comes. Here comes the butt stuff. But you didn't do this, 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 and right. this, and you never looked at me once and blah, blah, blah. We don't have to say but. We can say, here's some things for your consideration that might make this speech a little bit better and to put some polish on it. If they resonate with you, fine. And then at the end, come up with something really positive again. Oh, and I want to tell you the best thing I heard in this speech was your, your call to action and your steps one, two, and three. I can't forget those. I'm going to remember those, and they may change my life. So yeah. keep the negative language out, even a simple little word like but. Yep. It, it, whatever came before, you just canceled it. <laughs> yes. You just canceled it out. It's yes. kind of like the old story about the, you know, I have a thousand attaboys, but, you know. <laughs> One oh shoot, you know, and you're 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 back to zero, you know. Sure, sure, and and if you use that word, then it's going to be difficult. We want to educate and motivate, right? 
So the motivate part is sometimes we leave that out and, and we don't quite get there. And it's so vitally important because yeah. we want them to think about their next speech. And to right. And like you said, you can substitute positive language for those situations. Something like, you did these things very well. And now I have a challenge for you. An opportunity for the next time or something like that. You, you lead them into, because you do want to find something. One of my pet peeves about evaluations is uh, we call it the whitewash, <laughs> where the evaluator has not come up with anything to improve. And to hear the evaluator tell it this was the best speech since the beginning of time. And of course, that's never true. You, there's always something. That's so true. And that's probably the answer you were asking for when you asked me, what are my pet peeves about evaluators? <laughs> Or the newer speaker having to evaluate a distinguished Toastmaster. Yes, difficult. It is difficult, but there's always something. Even if you concentrate on the analysis of the speech, and perhaps it is difficult to find an improvement point, if you've shown that you've been listening, because after all, why do we have evaluations? There's really two reasons. It's to help the speaker but it's, how is it helping you? It's helping you to become a good listener. Absolutely. And that's so vitally important to be a good listener. You have, to, you have to pay attention. Now, you don't have to be such a good listener that you then repeat the whole speech back during your evaluation. That's another area that's not effective. You can certainly mention parts, especially the, the parts that were highlights. But I've heard evaluators get up for two or three minutes and speak and just really parrot back what the speaker said. Yes. And at the end, and the end of the time, they haven't really done an evaluation. And so that's for, for people who are trying to practice and get better at it. Don't just copy it. Go ahead and, and be as original as you can. And be and it's your it's your opinion, by the way. It's you're not speaking for the group. You're speaking for yourself. Yes. That's one of the key things is there's a module out there, an educational module that's been around Toastmasters for a long time. It's calling Evaluate to Motivate or The Art of Evaluation. There's a couple of them. Yes. And one of the key things they talk about is, is the pronouns that you use. Try to avoid you did this and you did that and you need to fix this as opposed to I really liked what I heard when you did that. I suggest in the future you try this. More I, because you are giving your personal account. And when you're telling people you did this and you should do that, it's almost like you're chastising them. Right. And that's not really what you want to do. And it's subconscious. It's, you're not, nobody gets up to try to insult a speaker. Yes. At least not in Toastmasters. Absolutely. It's one of the salient points of Toastmasters and one of the selling points. Yeah. There's one thing I want to point out in, in that evaluation in the club level and evaluation and competition overlap a great deal, but they're not quite the same. Right. In competition, you are giving a performance. Your performance is going to, of course, you're giving feedback to the speaker, the model speaker, but you are giving this performance to the whole audience and specifically to five to seven judges who are out there judging your evaluation. Whereas if I'm in the club, my primary audience is that speaker. And yes, I can model good evaluation techniques so that the other club members are gaining something from hearing my evaluation. 
But my primary emphasis is not on judges, but on this speaker who is sitting right here, whom I want to mm -hmm. give some room for improvement and to motivate them to come back and get better and give us more speeches. Especially if the speaker is new or the speaker has been struggling yes. with his or her speech. Yes. You, you want them to keep coming because the secret of Toastmasters is slow and steady. Come and improve as you go. You don't learn to speak by watching it on YouTube. You don't learn to speak by speaking, giving one speech, and then you're done. It's a repetitive process like a lot, so many things in life. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard one, one world champion, I think it was, who comes around to districts occasionally. He said, what's the, what's the key to gaining in public speaking? And that is stage time. Get up here on the stage every opportunity you can. Yeah, Darren LaCroix. <laughs> That's Darren's stage time, stage time, stage time. And and being an evaluator or a table topic speaker is being on stage. Yes, absolutely. Not just the speaker. And even the speaker, some people don't look at it as a performance. Right. But it, it can be. Going back to when you asked me when this started, it was when I, I saw Lynn Brazier and the key here is, is, is that it's an intellectual challenge. It's like playing solitaire by yourself. You're trying to do something, but in this case, you're trying to bring this all together in a very short time and come back and be succinct and to the point right. with a lot of energy to, to give feedback. And the speaker will give you opportunities for coming up with something that's unique, that's clever, that has a twist to it. Just be tuned into that. Absolutely. In fact, when I gave this evaluation to, I told you I saw a guy in my club gave such a stellar speech. I'm giving him feedback. I said, this was so good. Then I said, the whole audience, you probably don't think I have anything to say. I said, well, I made up some stuff. And they all laughed. <laughs> I didn't really make up some things. But I looked at some of the things that I have on my piece of paper where I came up with these points of public speaking. I said... Have you considered this, this, and this? That might add some things to this right. speech that you hadn't thought about. And he was sitting there nodding his head. Yeah, good ideas. So there's always, as you say, there's always something. That's no different than an author who sends a manuscript to the publisher. What does the publisher do? They send it to a proofreader. They edit it. They go through and read it and make suggestions to the author. Now, the author, of course, if they're big enough, they can say, no, I like it the way it is. <laughs> but if they're just getting started, they'll probably want to listen to their sure. publisher yeah. who has a feel for what's going to flow and what the readers want. I really like how you're preparing your members now. Here it is October of 2019 for the contest cycle, which starts in March or so, February or March of 2020. I really enjoy that. That's great. Somebody said to me after I was the champion evaluation speech contestant, somebody said, are you going to do this again? I said, absolutely not. I said, there are people in my club that are so good and I want to coach them. I want to show them what they can do and get them involved in the competition that's coming up because they, are, they need to be recognized and to have an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to do now. Well, the two contests that are coming up in the spring of 2020 are, the, of course, the international contest, 
which is our showpiece contest for Toastmasters worldwide. And the second contest is Tall Tales. Right. What suggestions do you have for someone who's not sure if they have a tall tale in them? This is too funny, but when I, I actually started preparing for the Tall Tales contest back in 90 when I won district in Virginia, I went to the library and I got out books on telling tales and telling stories. And, I, and that gave me some ideas about how to start. One of them that I recall was, and it was about my grandfather, and I said, and it said, here's what my grandfather told me. So it was a, like a secondary source coming from the outside, not something that I was saying, but what my grandfather told me. And here it was, and it was a story about a witch and some hunting dogs and some bad things that happened and so on, plus a little humor that I threw in there. And any speech contest that you are in, humor really, the audience will really like the humor and, and they'll chuckle and have a good time with you. So that's what I did in preparation for the for the Tall Tales contest, and it worked out quite well. People were laughing in the audience when I was done. In fact, a lady came to me a month later. She says, I'm still laughing about how you closed out that tall tale. If, if I were preparing, and here's what I'm telling my club members to prepare for international, go, go look at them. That's first. Generally, what I've seen is that when people give an international speech, they're going to have some very significant material. And there might be happy times, there might be humor, there might be sad times in the speech. And, and so the audience goes on a roller coaster and they have peaks and valleys as they go along and then you want to end on a high point or some significant takeaways that the audience can, can say, yes, I think I'll do that. What a good point. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yeah. And never having gotten past a vision with, with my international speech, but having observed a lot of speakers, sure. that's what I would tell them and where to start. Right. Watching the world champions, and their speeches are online. You can go find them. And you can buy the DVDs. There are so many excellent things they do. There's one DVD I remember. It was called Golden Moments. And it was a compendium of small parts of champions' speeches. Oh, Not the whole speech. Got it. But there's just those great sections. And that speech may not have won the award, but that 30 seconds was sublime. And he would then explain it and play it and talk about it. So there's always lessons to learn by just watching. And like you did before, get your notepad out and start making notes. What? Start analyzing. Right. Be intentional right. about your preparation. Right. People might laugh when I say, but I, tr I trained and I conditioned for, yeah. for this competition. And going to the library and looking up old tales and stories like that, you don't do that to get the story. Right. You, you do that to get the ideas and the techniques. Absolutely. And a Tall Tales, the nice thing about that format, it's completely free. Yes. You can put in the craziest stuff, and all that's going to do is help you. Right. right. <laughs> Especially if you package it well. Right. And you have a good story arc, and you have 
twists and turns and funny things that are completely unexpected, those are the kinds of fun things that happen when you do a tall tale speech. And so I, it's one of my favorite formats. And you, you can prepare, right? You, you can study. I also did a humorous speech contest, which uh, I won in district, and I was poking fun at myself. I, I portrayed a young man who lived with his mom, and he didn't have a girlfriend. And so I just went along with his mother giving him advice on how to find a girlfriend. So he goes off to a bowling alley hoping to meet somebody. And he does. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. It was, it was different. But see, there's no harm in poking fun at myself. Yeah, yeah. I did a podcast recording recently with Steve Entman, uh -huh. who's been to the district-level international contest, and years, several years ago won the humorous contest for the district. Uh -huh. And I won't tell the whole story. I want you to listen to the episode. But he was a former highway patrol officer, who, and in his speech he pulls over his mom in a traffic stop. And, of course, there's a whole bunch of other funny things that go with that. So if you're interested in how that turned out, go listen to the podcast with Steve Intiman. Don, I'm glad you mentioned that because I went to that speech contest. It was up by Prescott or Flagstaff. It was up north somewhere. Yeah. Now, I wanted to tell you something about, and this goes back to public speaking and performance. I am challenged in hearing. I was sitting in the back of the room in the corner I was watching a young man give a presentation, and you may remember he, he chided himself on not being very tall, and he had a Hispanic background. I picked up on all that, but I couldn't hear a thing that he was saying. Yet I watched him on stage, and he was so confident and so energetic, and I could hear the audience reaction. They were laughing and laughing and laughing. I'm thinking, wow, I wish I could hear what he was saying. And then... Every time I go to a speech contest, I judge the contestants myself for my own edification. He was in my top three. And guess what? He came in number three. Mm -hmm. And this just, I'm making this point because of the way he presented and carried himself on the stage. Confident, energetic audience re reaction. Right. Those could be, if I were given an evaluation, never heard a word what he said, I would say, those are my top three of what I'm going to tell him. Right. He could, if he hadn't had those qualities, but had everything else, perfect diction, perf he didn't stumble on his lines, he had the perfect story, but if it wasn't told with those other intangibles, yes, he wouldn't have placed as high might, as he did. Might not have placed. Yeah. Absolutely. Bob, thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom about not only being a championship evaluator and and how to prepare for that, but how to prepare for any presentation. The intangibles are as, just as important as those judging criteria that are on the, in black and white on the form. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Don, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure, and you've allowed me to have a really good time in reminiscing about my trip through Toastmasters, and thank you for what you're doing. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. 
Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.